Hello, and welcome to this episode of Optimum Perspectives podcast, where we delve into the pulse of the European life sciences investment landscape with my colleagues, Mary Clark and Eva Haas. And my name's Nick Baston, and we're all from Optimum Strategic Communications. Just before Christmas, we surveyed um, a wide range of highly influential European healthcare investors, VCs, who represent funds with around $300 billion of assets under management to get their views on current markets and the future outlook. Today, we're going to explore some of the outcomes of that survey and you know what really stuck in our minds when we read it. And as well, hear from uh, our CEO, Mary Clark, who's just returned fresh from JP Morgan to see you know what the mood and the atmosphere is like there and how it corresponds with findings in the survey. So without further ado... I'm going to turn to Mary and say, you know, what did you take out of the report and the market outlook? Oh, thanks very much, Nick. I think everybody knows 2023 has been tough. You know, investors were prioritising their existing portfolio companies. We saw fewer M&A deals than initially expected. You know, few financing rounds, particularly in the private side, public markets were awful. So, you know, obviously the macro environment was a huge driver impacting investment. And, you know, investment sentiment overall reflects the ongoing instability and uncertainty in both public and private markets. However, despite current challenges, investors do believe that 2024 is going to be better. And there's certainly um, optimism there for this year, with more than half of uh, people who we surveyed expecting an improvement in 2024. Money's certainly available, but investors want a very strong story. Thanks, Mary. So you know, we've had two really tough years, 2022-2023, after you know the bubble years of uh, the COVID era. Do we really think this? we've now turned a corner, Eva? What do you think? Do you think this feeling is right, that we're looking at a rosier, sunlit uplands into 2024? Yes, actually. I think it's always darkest before the dawn, which is uh, pretty much a cliche, but these things sort of tend to linger on and then very quickly move out into positive territory. So it's not surprising. I think we're seeing sort of green shoots and that's going to accelerate. Um, that's probably helped by, you know, inflation starting to moderate somewhat and certainly signs of life in terms of IPOs and, and M&A as well. But valuations, you know, seem to be some sort of feeling that valuations are too high. And do we think that the vendors have got their heads around the idea that the market is adjusted and they need to bring their prices down accordingly? I think they have from the point of view of, of sort of biopharma acquirers um, in terms of funding from venture capital, perhaps maybe not so much, but certainly I think the pickup that we've seen in sort of December and going into January in terms of fairly big ticket M&A is very, very encouraging. I think from a financing perspective, you know, there's a definitely um, the public market valuations are having an impact on private for sure and you know we hear from investors that some companies are being pretty realistic about valuations but quite a few are not and they would like more companies to get money in and survive rather than not get money and die. Absolutely so but what do you see as the main factors driving investment influencing investment interest VCs? I think, as Eva just mentioned, M&A 
you know, 2023 didn't see as, uh, the level of M&A that investors were hoping for, but already we've kicked off 2024 with um, some great deals announced around JP Morgan. So I think more M&A is what we're looking for. And also, you know, there's a huge pattern cliff um, in the late 20s that farmer are facing. So they do need to acquire to fill their pipelines. And from the survey, I mean, what VCs saw as the main drivers influencing investment was, as we've already said, macro inflation, interest rates, etc., um, which could have, particularly in terms of inflation, have an impact for quite a long time, even though it is moderating, but also pricing the Inflation Reduction Act, which you know, isn't going to go away at best until after US elections. And then the need for very, very high quality data. I think a lot of people have been looking later stage. And then again, m and It's interesting, the data point, isn't it? Because it's kind of, in a way that kind of reflects the sort of nervousness of the market over maybe having had their fingers burned a little bit before. And they, they want that data now as a kind of comfort just to give them more greater assurance, I suppose, that the company that they're, they're dealing with has really got some some robust backing to what they're saying. So, yeah, that kind of risk off attitude that we're seeing among investors is. Although I think there was one respondent that sort of said it. You know, you you either had to have really strong data, or um, on the early side, the kind of killer idea. So it's kind of the, the two ends of the spectrum. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, where it's easy or hard to raise money. And, you know, Mary, what do you think? Are we going to see the IPO window open soon or is it all about kind of early stage? I think just picking up on Eva's point there, you know, the early stage seed series A still getting financed, you know, the great ideas getting financed. And then, um, you know, if you've got compelling data, you will get investment no doubt about it and i think you know all the investors we spoke to were pretty unanimous on that so i think we'll see that but on the ipo front um we've seen a few selective ipos already filed this year and i know Evie, you've got some views on that but the investors we surveyed are looking at you know a few in 2024 but really expecting 2025 before we see many more going to market. As we all know, when that IPO window opens, it, it can open very quickly and catch everyone a little bit by surprise. And maybe it'll come sooner, but 2025 still seems quite a way away. Eva, what do you think? Well, I mean, firstly, when IPOs return, firms are expected to head to NASDAQ. And 2023 on NASDAQ saw perhaps maybe 10 major biotech IPOs or thereabouts. And it was the high quality that went. So, for example, Raise Bio, um, which was a radio pharmaceutical company, a very hot area at the moment, kind of raised 358 odd million in late September, but then were not quite straight away, but several months afterwards acquired by Bristol Myers for just over $4 billion. Where we are now is, is that we already have kind of three or four IPOs teed up for NASDAQ in the next months, which is kind of positive but it's still a little bit slow but I personally expect it to snowball once we've had some successes and I think actually some of the IPOs in 2023 at least um, according to uh, Stiefel I believe it was actually with the recovery that we saw kind of from October onwards in Biopharma ended up just over water rather than being underwater in terms of the share price so 
positive but sort of slow movement at the moment but encouraging I thought one of the things that was interesting for me coming out of the study was the number one criteria for a successful investment was a, a great team. And that's obviously a very subjective quality, but that was named by 34% of respondents. So if you don't have the right team, obviously, I guess it's going to be very difficult to deliver your strategy or to deliver the science. But it uh, was uh, telling, I think, that um, it was actually came ahead of the science as the number one criteria of those science naturally came next. Mary, there was a lot of chat about the value proposition and how important that is. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about why why that's so important to getting investors' attention? Well, I think what they're looking for as well is when um, you're looking to raise money that you've got a clear plan of when you are going to reach certain inflection points. And, you know, starting phase one trial, in most cases, they don't think is a value inflection point. So I think being able to, building on the team point, being able to communicate a very strong story to these value inflection points is really, really important, even more so than ever before at the moment, which Eva, you've always said. (laughs) That might just be because I was a sad public market investor. And by the time uh, we get biotechs on public markets, certainly the ones that survive are the ones that are in clinic. Most of the time, not always. If it's really strong science, other other things will get IPO'd, um, particularly when there are bubbles. And uh, the best survive, sometimes through serendipity, other times through progress. Progress is a key thing, which is why the management track record is crucial, especially if they're repeat entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So it was, there was a very consistent message coming out of the report that, you know, in terms of advice for companies, how they want to raise money, that... You know, communications is a very important part of that story. You know, understanding how you want to sell and package up the story, how to explain it. Obviously, science is complex. No one's going to be as expert in your area of science as you are, but you've got to sell the hell out of it. Was what yes. was the comment from one uh, from one investor, which I thought was uh, yeah, was quite clear advice. You know, you, you've got to sell this stuff for it to work, but also you've got to target the right people. I thought that was a really interesting point coming out in terms of target investor targeting? On the investor targeting, I think, you know, there were a lot of, well, not a lot, but some gripes from uh, VCs were that, you know, they'd get cold called, uh, people wouldn't have done their research as to their areas of interest, and it would just be completely irrelevant. So rather than using a scattergun approach of, you know, talking to absolutely everyone, doing some research and targeting the appropriate investors at least as a first step, is very important because you're more likely to have success that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the comments was people seem to feel that it's better to speak to more rather than quantity rather than quality, whereas actually for investors it was critical that you speak to the right people because if their funds tapped out or they're just not able to invest in your area, then it's just a waste of your time and their time. Absolutely. So, yeah, really picking those people. And I thought one interesting comment I had from an investor was that um, companies need to understand why investors are in this game. You know, they're in it to make money. So you need to explain when you're presenting your story, you need to really lay out the kind of value proposition and explain how the route to making money is going to come to fruition, you know. It's no good just talking about the science. And how they can monitor success. Absolutely. What sort of news flow points for a bit, want of a better word or, or KPIs or whatever are they can look at on the way to see that you are executing and 
and delivering and likely to get to where they want you to get for them to make their money in the time scale that they want to achieve. I guess one of the final points that I took out of the um, study, which was was a really good point, actually, was that about raising the right amount of money. So, you know, some investors said that companies think that by raising less money, they're going to be more likely to be successful because it's just a smaller amount of capital. But actually, the point is that if your idea is the right idea and you have the right kind of data points and the right team and the right science, then actually you should be raising the right amount of money to take you through the relevant value inflection points. Don't just raise a small amount because you think it's going to be easier because actually if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. They're going to back it. Absolutely. I mean, although historically in Europe in particular, there's been a tendency to drip feed companies somewhat, which has been detrimental, but that has been changing over recent years in terms of attitudes. So fully agree with that. There's no point in raising money that's only going to get you a quarter of the way and not to the point actually where you'd have a better inflection point than if you raised a lot more. And then that inflection point will allow you to you know, keep the ball rolling and raise even more to keep going. Great. So in, in summary, I guess what we heard is that um, you've got to have a great story. You've got to get your messaging down. You've got to really um, have a compelling story that's going to get investors interested. You've got to think about how you're going to deliver it, make sure you have a great investor deck, and then you then target the right investors. There's no good reaching out to the wrong people. And then you need to create some buzz, create some excitement. You've got to sell the hell out of it. So you need to be in the media, which investors are reading. You need to be out there on social media. You need to be visible in the marketplace. People need to be excited and feel that uh, they don't want to miss out. And, um, you know, that's what investors are looking for. And if you do that and you have great data, then you will, you will be successful. But um, just to build on that, you know, Mary's just come back from JP Morgan. I know she's just about over the jet lag. Um, so maybe we turn to Mary and hear about whether the atmosphere at JP Morgan corroborates what we've heard from investors here in the uh, in Europe. So yeah, so just back from JPM, as you mentioned, Nick, and had a fantastic week there. Had some great meetings with our clients. We had lots of clients there. Other companies, lots of investors, you know, very, very high quality meetings. And definitely, definitely uh, more upbeat than previous years, for sure. Inside the main conference, again, um, probably not as horribly hectic as it used to, you know, queuing up for everything. But again, great meetings. The fringe events around JPM have expanded. Great meetings all over, you know, one day events, which have got very high quality panels and conferences. So overall, I would say... Very, very good interactions, very high quality uh, people on the ground doing the meetings and much more positive than we've seen for a while. Eva, as I mentioned, uh, some good M&A already announced JPM week to kick off the year. Um, what's your views? Because there was quite a few last year as well, wasn't there? End of last year. Yeah, I mean, when I went back to have a look at all of this, um, it was actually quite a lot in um, November, December and, and coming into January at JP Morgan. We had um, J&J acquiring Ambrix for $2 billion for an ADC platform and what some people have characterised as a superb PSMA ADC Merck acquiring Harpoon with its T-cell engager platform and a couple of really interesting products that had data at ESMO, including a DLL3 T-cell engager for $680 million. Going back to December, we had 
quite a bit as well. AbbVie acquiring Immunogen and Cerevel, GSK acquiring Aeolus Bio in asthma for 1.4 billion. You know, quite a lot of very, very chunky price tickets on some of these. A number of them were listed companies, but even for some of the private companies, we were talking kind of towards a billion or so, or at least 500 million. Novartis paying 425 million for Calypso Biotech, for example. And some of the CEO comments at, at JP Morgan were also encouraging, um, with lots of people calling them out. You know, Lily talking about the fact that despite the fact that they've um, already acquired Emergence and Mablink in the ADC space, they'd still be looking for smaller deals. Gilead looking for five to $25 billion deals with an oncology focus. Merck, deals of all sizes, especially oncology, Novo, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular, Pfizer still looking to be opportunistic and acquiring, although not large deals, despite the fact that they spent $43 billion on CGEN in the ODC space, Roche prioritising ADCs and obesity, and Biogen also looking for smaller deals. And that's just a, a smattering of some of the snippets from uh, what CEOs had to say in various forums. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Nick, as well. I think overall, it's been a great start to the year, a very exciting start to the year. And I think we are feeling very excited too. So look forward to working with our clients to help them communicate their strong stories to the investment community. 